Welcome to Fun is Fundamental. Fun is Fundamental is a podcast for those who realize that the enjoyment of life is about having something deep in our souls which lights our fire. It's for those who maybe have lost that fire and feel like they are missing out on the pleasures of life. In each episode, I will share recent fun activities and focus on why having fun is essential for good health. I'm your host, Alenia, and I invite you to take this journey with me and join the pleasure-seeking movement. Good afternoon, Bridget. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. I guess, uh, first, I guess, you know, tell the audience what who you are, what you do, like <laughs> just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I am. Uh, my name is Bridget Belden, and I am a life coach for uh, primarily women who are going through the transition point in their life, midlife women, um, transitioning to an empty nest and really trying to understand who they are beyond being a mom. And I am a mom of two kids that are adults and um, see, mostly moved out. I did have, I've had a couple boomerangs. We have one living with us right now, but yeah, I live in Orange County with my husband. And uh, what else do you want to know? (laughs) That's, that's a good, a good start. Um, what made you start helping other, other mothers? Well, my story is, is that when I was a young mom and I had young kids, when I was a young woman, I was very, very focused on what my life would look like and worked really hard to achieve my vision of what that was. I went to a good school And I got a good job and I met and married my husband and we had two kids. And I literally said, when I have a Bobo station wagon, I know I will have made it. I wrote that in my journal. And so lo and behold, here I was, my kids were little and I had achieved all these things that I had set out to achieve. And I kind of looked around and thought, wow, I, I, I have everything I've ever wanted, but there was something missing for me. I had this hole inside And that led to a lot of guilt and shame and feeling horrible because here I created this beautiful life. I loved my family dearly, but it wasn't quite enough for me. And so I went through a massive uh, transition of my own and it really in a quest to discover who I was, what my purpose was, um, is what I was passionate about. I really knew little to nothing about who I was as a person because I had been so focused on getting from one step to the next. And I knew that at some point I wanted to share that story with other moms in case they also experienced something so that they knew that they weren't alone because I the isolation and the loneliness and like I said, the shame that I felt, a lot of guilt around feeling this way I didn't want other moms to feel that way. And this was back in the day, this was 20 plus years ago. So there was, you know, the internet really wasn't what it is today. People were not going to therapy. And if they were, they certainly weren't talking about it. So there Mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, it was basically self-help books at Barnes and Noble uh, was pretty much the extent of that kind of conversation. And heaven forbid, I should share that with any of my friends, because like I said, the guilt and the shame, I thought there was something wrong with me. So my quest was really to share my experience so other moms didn't suffer the way I did. Mm-hmm. So all this was coming up when your kids were still like y- younger. 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess uh, when you talk about like, did you feel guilt around the fact that like motherhood wasn't enough or was it more of, I guess, cause like as a society, you know, <clears throat> people identify, like people, women wrap their identities around being a mother and like, that's like what, who they are, you know? Mm -hmm. And so was it like that kind of guilt where you were like, well, I, I have this and I love this, but I want more. Yes, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I identified as a mom, but there was still something missing. I wanted more beyond that. And I guess after like, you know, 20, 20 some years, have you found that there's a lot of women that feel, feel this way? I think there are a lot of women who can relate <clears throat> to the idea that in the taking on the role of motherhood and wife and <clears throat> sister-in-law and daughter-in-law and all the roles that we take on at work, et cetera, that our, our true self gets buried beneath all of those roles. And so the moms that I'm working with now are moms who have raised their kids for the most part, you know, they're, they're basically going off to college. And so all of a sudden <laughs> the role of being the primary caregiver day in, day out, taking care of their kids and getting them from point A to point B is much diminished and they're left with, okay, now who am I? This is who I've been. This is how I've related. This is how I've identified myself. And now I have no idea who I am beyond that role. And it can be <clears throat> really overwhelming. It can be, again, people feel guilt around it um, because there's there's this, at least I know when I was a young mom, <clears throat> there was this story that, <laughs> that motherhood was enough, right? And that you watch these moms who just poured everything into their kids and which I admire, but that wasn't how I felt. And so the guilt comes from not feeling that way. And so I think as moms evolve and as their kids get older and all of a sudden they're going, wow, this is really how I, you know, I've been spending all this time taking care of and doing for my family. And I really don't know who I am outside of that. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously when like you have a newborn, you have like toddler, you have really young kids, they, they do demand a whole lot of your time and energy and attention. And like, they deserve that, you know, like you need to be, you need to sacrifice obviously for them. But once, you know, you have, you know, kids in school and like, just, they start being able to be more independent and doing more for themselves. Like you, you, you know, need to have other, other things to, you know, fill, you know, fill yourself up. <laughs> yes. And that that's easier said than done. I think for one thing, I don't think the active motherhood role, especially for moms who are working outside the house, either way, if you're inside the house, outside the house, it's a full-time job. Right. And I think that lasts actually 
all the way up through junior high and into high school. So even theoretically, once they get their driver's license and should be independent, you're still making sure they're getting their college applications in on time. You're, if they're, if that's the route they choose to go, you're making sure that they are, you know, going to school on time, that they are going, taking, um, getting to soccer practice, whatever it is. And that becomes, it, it's still, it's not quite as full-time, but you're still very, connected to that role. And it's easy to focus on that uh, easier than when they are later in high school or in college. Yeah, I can understand that. So how do you help women that are struggling with, you know, what it is to beyond being a mother? It really is about understanding who you are at the core of your being. And I think that a lot of moms haven't had even had the opportunity to discover that. I know I hadn't, because like I said, I was so focused on getting to, you know, put one foot in front of the other and get to this beautiful life that I had planned for myself. I never stopped to think about who I was, what was important to me, what I was passionate about, because I was outwardly focused the whole time. Mm -hmm. And so the first shift is really having them understand that it is about shifting the focus back to yourself. And that can feel really uncomfortable because again, societal messages are, oh, that's selfish. You know, you're spending time on yourself, on your own, um, spending time on yourself, that's selfish. And so it is overcoming those stories that you have in your head about what's okay and what's not okay. Uh, that, you know, all of the self-doubt that you have going into this, um, that all you've ever known yourself as a mother, what if you want to start a business? You know, the little voice in your head pops up and says, well, who are you to think you can start a business? You know, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that we do to ourselves, And it's really the ego saying, just stay here. It's safe here. You know, there's no risk of being a failing, just stay where you are. And that's very tempting except when there's this urge to want to discover more and push yourself. You have to push the boundaries of who you are as a person and your comfort zone so that you can continue to grow. And yes, there's failure involved sometimes, uh, but that's how you learn. So it is, uh, it, every client I work with comes to me kind of, there's this continuum, I call it, of moms who on the one hand, you have the moms who have only ever wanted to be a mom. They poured themselves into that. Like they had no outward desires to do anything else. And which is great. And then you have the moms who, you know, have an idea of what they want to do, but just aren't sure how to, how to do it once their kids leave the nest. And it really doesn't matter where you are on that continuum, anywhere in between. It's, it's really about getting back to yourself and closing out all the noise, learning to listen to your intuition, because we have messages that are sent to us all the time. But when you're think about when you're in the midst of raising your kids, you don't have time, right? And if you do hear something that says, well, maybe you should try this, you know, maybe this isn't enough. It's very tempting and easy to kind of stuff that down because that kind of feels scary, right? Well, then what happens? And that's what I faced when I early on was starting to get this feeling like, oh my gosh, I think there's something more for me. I would stuff it down. 
and kind of ignore it, but it kept coming back. So it's, it really is at the heart and soul of it, learning how to reconnect with yourself and discovering who she is. And there are a number of ways that I do that. A lot of it is just through the self-discovery process, having the conversations every week about, you know, what's coming up for them. What do they want their life to look like? I have a series of exercises we work on. So it really depends where they are in that, in that continuum. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah, I think it does. And what about like women that are still, do still have children at home? Like, how do you balance, like you, you still had children at home when you were going through what you're going through. How, how do you balance being a mother, like, you know, quite a lot, especially with the balance of labor in, in households, usually Mm -hmm. the burden is on mothers. Um, How do you balance that and pursuing things outside of just motherhood? It's really, really difficult. And I think that's why most of us don't even attempt it because there is a disproportionate amount of burden in typical households on the mom. And so if you have the time to do it, oftentimes you're either too exhausted, (laughs) right? In that, or that's not what you feel like doing is digging in and understanding who you are at the core of your being, right? You're just freaking tired. Mm -hmm. And so um, the balance part is the age old question. You know, I worked full time while my kids were little. And so, you know, that certainly added to the stress. Uh, I then worked from my home when they were little, cause I wanted to be closer to them. Once I kind of went through and discovered what I wanted to do, they were still in grade school and I worked out of the house. So I had that opportunity to experience what it's like to be more or less a full-time mom. And that was no piece of cake either. So the, it really stems from that desire. I think I got to a point where to not do something about it was untenable and it would have completely, I think I would have lost my marriage because of it. Um, I don't know, you know, what would have happened to my relationship with my kids, but I had gotten to the point where it was, I need to do something about this because I cannot stay in this position anymore. Mm-hmm. That drive to really discover what my purpose was and understand it was so strong in me. I was completely fixated on it. I was going to figure it out one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Was your husband then supportive of you, you know, trying to figure, figure this out? <laughs> oh, it's such a long, messy process. Probably another another hour long podcast, but it was challenging for me to explain what was happening because I didn't know. All I knew was that I was unhappy, but then because of the guilt and the shame associated with that, it made it very difficult to talk about. So I was having a hard time expressing it. I can look back now and say, this is what was going on. Super easy. But at the time it just felt like, oh my God, all I kept thinking is there's something wrong with me. And so that prevented me from truly expressing what was happening with my husband. And he was just like, what is happening? (laughs) What is going on? And all he said, he keeps, he kept looking over at my nightstand and seeing these self-help books and just being like, oh my gosh, like I, 
we didn't, we weren't at the point in our marriage. We were, we had been married probably six or seven years and with the stresses of the kids and everything happening, we did not have a great communication style or process. So my inability to express to him what was happening and his inability to understand how this could possibly be true made it very, very difficult. And actually at one point I got to the point where, because he couldn't, I couldn't, because of that void, that gap between my inability to express and his inability to understand, I made the decision to move out of the house because I was just like, I felt like I was suffocating. And so it wasn't until then where I had some space to breathe and he was not happy about it. I mean, his whole world was crashing in on him. Right. Um, and so I just knew that this was something I had to do. And I, I would never, ever advocate for that for anybody that's listening or anybody that's at that point. It's just, I was at that point where it was so important to me to figure this out that I had to do whatever I had to do. Mm -hmm. um, thankfully, we were able to work our way through it and we're celebrating 30 years this year. So of marriage. So now he is now he is supportive as I become much more able to communicate what I need um, to express myself to him. And that's been a lot of the learning too along the way, right? Is being able to use your voice and ask for what you need, which is really hard for women. He is completely supportive because he has seen the transformation in me and especially over such a long period of time. And it has benefited our marriage immensely, but we're very fortunate that it worked out that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm obviously, you know, with divorce rates, what they are, obviously that's not always the case. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What about like in, you know, another thing that like is like a big thing in society is like the thing about like, like the wine mom, for example, you know, it's like, do you think that is stem that stems from also like a woman who is not being fulfilled and she's just like trying to find some, something to fill a gap. <laughs> it's entirely possible. And I look back now at, because I was there, right. My girlfriends and I would sit around and drink wine and you know, talk about the kids. You said wine mom, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and wine, I mean, drinking, not whining. <laughs> well, sometimes they go hand in hand. Yeah, they do. Um, and, you know, that was, you know, quote unquote, you know, how you deal with it. And I'm much better after with my kids after a glass or two of wine, which looking back, I can see where that can be really, really dangerous. Um, and, you know, yes, I still enjoy my wine and my cocktails, et cetera, but much more aware of, you know, there can be a tendency to numb, which everybody that knows about alcohol knows that that can be. So I think, um, I think that's part of the rhetoric around, oh my God, I'm a mom of, you know, taking care of everything. Now that doesn't mean that it is not extremely difficult to be a mom raising kids. I mean, it is, it is, there's a lot that goes into that and you're really putting somebody else's needs ahead of yours 24 seven, whether it's your kids, your husband, the household, the dogs, your needs come absolutely last. 
And so, you know, reprioritizing yourself is a big process, as I said, when it comes time to really understanding and creating a life you love, one that's full of joy and fun, hopefully, um, is, is really learning how to prioritize yourself again. And by that, I want to be sensitive because I think a lot of people think, oh my God, well, you know, if I've got young kids at home, I'm not going to tell them, sorry, honey, I can't (laughs) help you with your math problem because I'm off to the spa. That's not what I mean. What I mean is it's really about treating yourself with the same love, time, and attention that you do everybody else. So considering your own needs along with everybody else's, which nine times out of 10 does not happen because you always push yourself last. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And caregiver burnout is a very real thing. <laughs> Obviously, mm-hmm. And mothers are, you know, really like the ultimate caregivers. Right. Um, yeah. I'm, yeah, my bringing up the wine mom thing is not to say like, you know, it's not a um, very stressful thing to raise little humans. So, yeah. I do think, though, it does make light of the fact that you're essentially saying numb yourself and you'll be a better mom, you know, by the whole that that rhetoric, I think, is can be dangerous. And like I said, I participated fully in that when my my kids were little with my girlfriend. So I get it now, but looking back, I think it could be a dangerous uh, precedent to set. Mm -hmm. When should mothers seek help, do you think, from outside? That is a good question. I think it really depends on the mom and by help, I'm assuming you mean coaching as opposed to therapy, or do you mean kind of the whole all of wax of, of help? Yeah, I think, you know, really I'm thinking like the whole, the whole thing, but you know, obviously in different situations, you would, a coach work would work better than a therapist, but yes, yes, for sure. You know, a big part of my program is really helping moms to shift the focus back to themselves. One of the ways we do that is by focusing on your health. And there's a lot of preventative that is around physical as well as mental and spiritual. And it's kind of the three-legged stool. And if ever, you know, first of all, if you are unable to function on a daily basis, then obviously seek help. Uh, I would think therapy more than, than a coach at that point. If you're feeling like, you know, there's, there's something more for me. If anything I've said resonates, resonates with you. Um, I, I want more joy in my life. I want more fun in my life. I feel like, you know, life feels hard right now. I want, I want to really understand who I am and what's important to me. And I want to have more passion in my life, all of those things. And I would say definitely whether it is, you know, self-help books, um, I think one of the main things is just getting curious. So listening to yourself and with compassion, so no judgment, like I had, I had a lot of judgment, which I think prevented me from from seeking help sooner, but it's really getting curious. So when you notice yourself thinking about, wow, that looks really cool. I would love to teach yoga. That has always spoken to me. Then get curious about what that looks like. You know, maybe there's a yoga 
class in your neighborhood that you can participate in, or maybe there's a teacher licensing or some kind of a class and kind of pull that thread and really get curious about what the thoughts that are popping up in your mind in terms of, and if you need support along that journey, because what tends to happen and where a coach can really come in handy is shining a light on those doubts. Cause we all have blind spots, things that we can't see in ourselves. that working with a coach really helps us see where it's like, you know, you said that, that you, it's not possible for you to learn how to teach yoga, but you have this, 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 and this, and they kind of start putting the, the ideas, the, the dots together to mm-hmm. formulate, wow. Yeah. Seeing what's possible for them. So it also helps keep you accountable to your own goals. So if you say, I really want to have more joy in my life, then, you know, coach can lovingly say, listen, you said you want this, but your actions are in direct conflict with that. So how can we, how can we um, rectify that situation or reconcile that situation? And so it is somebody that can guide you along the path. If I had had a coach, I don't even know if coaches existed back then, <laughs> but if I had had a coach, I think, cause my process was probably about, I don't know, six or seven years from the very beginning of, you know, that little inkling that I kept stuffing down deep to the crescendo of when I actually moved out and started taking active steps was a long period of time. Had I had somebody that was there saying, there's nothing wrong with you. You're okay. It's okay to want more. Let's try this. Or how about this? Or here you go. Or, you know, like I said, shining a blind, a a light on those blind spots. So that's how I think, um, a coach or when people should seek help. And I know that was a really long-winded answer no, it's okay. to your question. Yeah. Yeah, no, co- coaching coaching can be very helpful. I I would never have started my podcast, this podcast, if I hadn't, I had a, I got a coach to like help yeah. me through trying to start it because um, yeah, it really helps to have someone from the outside be like, hey, what's something you can do? How about this? Look at this this way kind of thing. Right. And maybe you had, I imagine something like that, there'd be some doubt that creeps up, right? And, and, And that negative beliefs about yourself and limiting beliefs and all the fear that comes up that is really meant to keep you safe. But in reality, when it comes to self improvement or self growth, safe doesn't cut it right? It, it can be scary. You've got to find your edge and kind of push past that. That's where the growth and that's where all the good stuff is, because that's when you realize what you're really made of. And so I bet for you, looking back, you're probably like, wow, I'm so glad I did this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I think that's a really good example of when a coach can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a society, what are things that people you know, we're all part of the society people can do to like support mothers and to help make motherhood easier for, you know, people in their own lives. That's such a great question. And I think it really stems from recognizing the mom as a whole person who also has needs and um, whether it's support, uh, understanding that she might say, no, no, I'm fine. But seeing through that, when you know that she's really not and stepping in to say, no, 
you know, I think you need to do this or that. You need some support. I mean, I will support. I think um, for husbands, understanding, again, it's really, I think it really is about understanding that moms are people too. <laughs> Can be a bumper sticker that, you know, in the interest of serving our families, that we really do put everybody else first. And so to kind of somebody there to step in and go, hey, I'll watch the kids. Why don't you go have lunch with your girlfriends or go to the spa, or go get your nails done or um, whatever the case may be, just to give them that space. And I do think things have gotten much better since I was a young mom in terms of more equity between the roles of the mom and the dad. I think dads are much more involved with the younger generations uh, than they have been in the past. Uh, but I also think that that equity needs to um, play out and be, because it's hard to take that entire burden all on yourself. Not that raising yeah. kids is a burden, but you know what I mean? All yeah, yeah. to go along with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, even though like, you know, it, things have gotten better with how like how fatherhood like how fathers in younger generations definitely take more more on and everything like that they people still will say things like oh he's babysitting his kid like his own kids he's babysitting his own kids like yeah what yeah he's parenting yeah he like you shouldn't see it as being like oh well he's like doing this like noble thing by babysitting the kids or something yeah. like that. it's like He's just being a parent. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that is, you know, society being stuck in the past with what those gender roles are, right? And what those norms are. I have a friend, there was this really cute video going around with this man who was would dress his baby, you know, baby daughter, and she was an infant in, you know, pick out her little outfits and the bows and all that. And I'm like, look how cute this is. And she goes, it's very cute, but I also don't appreciate the fact that they're highlighting the fact that this man is doing what he should be doing as a parent. And somehow it's so much cuter because it's the man taking care of the baby. She said a much more eloquent way, but it goes along with what you're saying about, yes, it's, it's called parenting. Yeah. There's, we have a long way to go for sure. We do. Yeah. But we but we obviously have made a lot of progress also. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I always like to ask my guests, how do you define fun? You know, I was thinking about this because I had a feeling you would ask me this. For me, the first thing that comes up is play, which um I think is has been something that has been challenging for me as an adult. And I think for a lot of adults, uh, but when you talk about really digging into what the word fun is, for me, it means joy. Uh, I think it means passion. I think it means doing what feeds your heart and soul, because when you do that, then you can't help but have fun. Does that make sense? So yeah. for me, one of the things that I do, and again, it's not always easy, is 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 the creative side. So I'll I'll paint and paint sometimes with my fingers, right? And and just 
anytime I can step away from that right-brained, functional, practical side of myself and really let loose a little bit, um, that to me is fun. When you, your kids were young, because I know like there's some parents that like can play, like play with their kids really easily. And then some parents that have a hard time playing with their kids, which, which one were you? I think I was pretty good at playing with my kids when I would let myself, um, you know, I was working when they were little. So it was like, I'd come home. I was, you know, taskmaster. And again, in that right brained one thing in front of the other, which ended up is what helped get me into trouble uh, down the road, understanding who I was. But when I would make the time, I would sit on the floor with them and, you know, play dress up with my daughter or, you know, read them stories or, or have tea with them, you know, whatever that would play trains with my son. So it was really when I, when I allowed myself to do it and gave myself the time to do it, it was easy for me. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also like to ask people what their play personality is. So there's eight play personalities, according to the Institute of Play. Eight play personalities are Joker, Explorer, uh, Creative, Kinesthetic, Competitor, Storyteller, Collector, and Director. Mm. And you can be more than one. I think explorer when it comes to getting curious about who I am and what pulling those threads. I also like to travel. So I think that I think, and I think a big part of that is exploring. Um, I would like to think that again, when I allow myself to create that it's the creative and I do have some director in me as well. You and me are, are we, we match. Now, do we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wow, someone that has my three. <laughs> um, when's the last time you last, laughed so hard it hurt? Mm. I think it was, I just got back from a trip with my sister where we... <laughs> We did the U.S. world tour of us where we went to go visit our our brother and met nieces and nephews and grandnieces and nephews we hadn't met before. And I set the intention of just kind of letting myself go and be present in the moment and enjoy it. And we had quite a few belly laughs um, and then spent time with my daughter where we did as well. Yeah, so it was fairly recently, but I love that. There's nothing better than that. Oh my God. Yeah. A good laugh. Oh man. It just yeah. like, it just lights everything up. It, yes. Like, yeah. It's such a reason for living. <laughs> yes, absolutely. 100%. What makes you feel luxurious? Hmm. I think going to a spa. 
or eating something. I would say eating something decadent like chocolate, but I have a chocolate addiction. So I have to have chocolate every day after lunch. So <laughs> I don't know if that's considered luxury or as my son says, a problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's probably going to a spa or staying in a really, really nice hotel where there's slippers and a robe. Yeah. And really nice amenities. Definitely. Yeah. Where's like the best place you've ever traveled? Mm. There are so many places that I've loved that I've traveled to. Um, I think one of my favorites is one of my favorite trips I've ever taken is to Scandinavia. Um, it just felt very different from Europe and most of the places that I had been, but it was amazing. And, um, just discovering something new and different, but I have a lot, I really love to travel. So I have a lot of places that I loved. Yeah. I, I, I'm, uh, I love traveling too. So you one reason I like to ask trip, people, right. <laughs> You just got back from a trip, didn't you? Yeah, we just, we, it was just to Miami. Um, but it was, the funny thing is, like, I've traveled to, like, other countries. Like, I've lived in other countries, mm -hmm. never been to the East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I hear you. Yeah, I was raised by a single mom. And so my husband grew up, you know, he had the traditional nuclear family and, two brothers and they would go to national parks. And so he has seen a ton of national parks and I never did because it was like, my mom's not going to drag three of us. Plus I don't think we would have let her do that. <laughs> I don't want to go see a national park, but so there's a lot of national parks I haven't seen. There's a lot of places in this country that I haven't seen at all that I would love to. Yeah. So I yeah. Like that. That's like the similar story to me. I, um, yeah, my I had a single mom and we we just didn't we didn't we didn't go and travel. We didn't go do these things. Yeah. It's just like it's just like very like we're 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 surviving kind of Yes. Thing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. If you had an extra room in your house, what would you use it for? A painting studio. Like a big painting studio where I could lay a huge canvas on the floor and get really messy with it. I I like, uh, I like getting messy too. when I do art. Um, I think also because I like work with children for 10 years, it's like mm -hmm. just getting messy is just fun. <laughs> yeah, it is fun. It is fun. Talk about play and fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where do you see yourself in five years? Hmm. Well, I think my husband will have retired by then and physically we'll probably be, we talk about leaving the state of California, but I don't know if we'll actually ever do that. Um, so we'll probably be up in the central coast somewhere, Santa Barbara we're playing with right now, um, traveling, um, an author, a public speaker. Those are all things I'd love for this message to get out on a broader scale, because I think 
I think as women, we have so many gifts to offer the world right now that is sorely in need of them, of them, but we are stopped by our own doubts and questions. And a lot of which has been defined for us by society and our culture. And it just, it, it makes me super emotional and I'm super passionate about the idea of having women understand our value so that we can step into our power and heal the world. You know, I think there's so much, so much work to be done. And I think that women have a lot of the tools to be able to do it, but we haven't been allowed the position or the place or the means to be able to do that in a way that we should be. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, as a society, I feel like also there's such this like weird, you know, where women, when, once they get like to a certain age, like, as a as society like they become like it's like they're invisible kind of thing you know mm-hmm. like no one's like but women once they get to a certain age like are very like powerful actually like yes yeah um, and i think that's starting to shift a little bit i think at least i'm more aware of it because i'm looking for those things but um julia louis dreyfus do you know her from mm-hmm. Seinfeld. She has a new podcast where she, it's called wiser than me. And she specifically said, I want to talk to women who are older than me so they can help show me the way. And it's really fascinating. So I agree with you. I think that we have so much to share and so much wisdom that, that the world needs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, completely. What is something that's making you happy this week? What is making me happy this week? Well, this podcast is making me happy. Um, I just got off a call before I jumped on here with you with a client who um, had some big breakthroughs. Um, I have, there's a lot actually. I have a, a friend who, asked me to do a little group session with some of her friends to get clear about intention and kind of set some personal goals for the summer. So we're going to do that. That makes me happy. Um, My dog makes me happy. Both my dogs, even though they bark when I'm trying to do a podcast, (laughs) Um, my son, seeing him happy and finding his way that makes me happy. And I love Every day I have a very serious routine (laughs) and every day I get up and I, one of the first things I do is meditate and then I take my dog on a walk and I find so much joy in being out in nature and just being present to what's happening out there. That makes me happy. So I have a lot. There's a lot that makes me happy. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) What's something that can always cheer you up? A conversation with one of my girlfriends. 
or funny kid or dog videos on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's interesting because I think that's been a big part of my learning as I've, as I've grown is, is how to get out of a funk. And I think it takes some focus to understand what will do that. And sometimes, you know, all joking aside, videos do work. And sometimes it's just can't really put a finger on why you're not feeling good. It's not for any specific reason. And so I have a series of steps that I go through that I know the things that bring me joy, like going for a walk and spending time in nature or or meditating. And I kind of escalate depending on whether or not I'm still feeling, you know, bummed out at the end of my two or three things that I do. But the, the one thing, and this is actually probably a better answer than the, than the memes um, is doing, having a dance party, a solo dance party where I plug either put in my AirPods if people are home or just blare the music to my favorite song and just dance. Like nobody's watching. Like there's something about that that just totally lifts my mood. Mm Yeah. Well, I mean, both, I feel like both music and movement are two of those things that are, you know, the best for Yes, for sure. For sure. What do you like to dance to? Oh, there's a Macklemore and Lewis song called Can't Hold Us. I don't know if you've heard that. Yeah, Yeah. love that song. Um, I've been kind of into, there's a Santana uh, song. There's some really good like guitar riffs that kind of get me going, but Can't Hold Us always gets me going anytime that comes on. Um. I love this will be by Natalie Cole or, or the best of my love by the emotions. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah it just depends. I kind of scroll through and find something that, that sticks out to me. Mm-hmm. I need to make a dance party playlist though. I don't have one of those. Yeah. So I have it at the ready. Yeah. And then it's, you don't have to like work so hard to, yeah. to find it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who's the most interesting person you've ever met? Oh, these are some good questions. Most interesting man I know. Um, I don't know about anybody specifically, but I find myself drawn to people who have no problem speaking their voice or, or being visible. I admire that a lot. And I can't, I can't think of anybody that sticks out in my mind, but as a type of person. And I think that's because I admire it because I feel like I'm not quite there yet when it comes to saying how I feel like there's times when I feel like I'm sidestepping, like, or, or not really saying what, like, this is so dumb. People are going to be rolling their eyes. But one of the things for me that causes me to hesitate is like when I'm at a restaurant and I'm seated and they seat me at like the worst table, Mm. unless it's like horribly bad. I sit there and I look at it and I kind of start looking around like, Oh my God, I don't want to sit here. Where else can I sit? And so asking to change tables for me is a big deal. So there's moments when I can completely say what I need and voice my opinions. And then there's moments when I, for whatever reason, it's just like, 
I think it's because, you know, just sit there, be quiet, don't make waves, don't rock the boat. You know, it's fine. You'll be fine kind of thing that, mm-hmm. that make me kind of silence that. So as a rule, I'm really drawn to particularly women who can just say what they feel and have no, there's no second guessing, second thoughts about, you know, how it will be received, which I really admire. So that doesn't really answer your question. It's kind of a cop out. Oh, no. I mean, it it says a lot about you for sure. So <laughs> that's, that's the whole point of the question. <laughs> it's just to like that get the, you know, ever people don't know who you are, you know? Well, thank you for that then. Yeah. Um, how about a few word associations? What do you think of when you think of light? Beauty. Home. Warmth. Summer. Barbecues. The forest. Mm. Ancestors. Mm. Laughter. Joy. Money. Mm. Freedom. The ocean. Infinity. Music. Fun. Dancing. Peace. Peas or peace? Peace. (laughs) Hmm. Just contentment. Spontaneous. Dangerous. Fire. Hot. Pineapple. Hawaii. Coffee. Tea. (laughs) All right. Which would you like more? The mountain or the beach? Mm. That's really hard. I think probably the beach. But they're so different for me, but they both have the nature connection. Mm-hmm. For me, like there's something about like the waves mm-hmm. on the beach. Mm-hmm. That's just so like relaxing. Like I love them going to the mountains too, but yeah. Yeah. There, there's that. And then I love to sit. I remember one time in particular when my husband and I were separated and I went with my girlfriend who lived in Manhattan beach and we went to the beach and it was just this, looking out at the vastness of the ocean. And that's why I said infinity. It was this, it felt like anything was possible for me. And it was really inspiring. Um, Yeah, there's something very soothing about the beach in general. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, Summer or winter? Summer. Plane or car? Plane. 
Calling or texting? It depends. <laughs> is that a cop out? <laughs> no, I mean, I think that, I mean, it is true, you know, um, some things you can't say over a text, but I, I guess my, the reason I asked this question is because I find that people of a young, younger age, millennials or younger, I feel like they avoid calling. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> they just want to text only. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the book or the movie? The movie. That's a hard one too. It is. It. I mean, it. That's another one where it just really depends. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like For sometimes sure. they just they do a disservice to the the book. So. Yeah, absolutely. In which case, I would say the the book because then I can formulate my own picture. I have a friend who, when she reads a book, has all the rules cast in her head. Of, so if the movie comes out, it's most certainly ruined because they don't, they don't match what she has. In her head. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think the book. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Mm. Peanut butter. I don't know what it's called, but there's a... Um, Ben and Jerry's flavor that has like chocolate. It's vanilla, I think, with like a chocolate and peanut butter swirl through it. Mm. Mm. I that think sounds good. chocolate and peanut butter are probably two of the most perfect flavors. Mm -hmm. Definitely. What is your favorite smell? Flowers. I love a good rose smell. I love jasmine. But yeah, probably the flowers. Yeah. I Whenever I'm walking, I'm like, I got to stop and smell the flowers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Last, let's do one more question. Okay. Um, if you could take a week-long vacation anywhere in the world, where would you go? Right now, only a week. I mean, it could be a month. <laughs> oh, okay, if it was I a month, it was a week, but <laughs> if it was a month, I'd go to New Zealand. Hmm. I haven't been there. Me neither. It's very far. <laughs> yeah, it is very far. That's why you need a month. <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna make that 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 plane ride, yeah, you yes, need a month. yes. Yeah. I'm a big fan of living abroad also. Like I love taking, like taking time in countries. Where did you live when you lived abroad? I lived in South Korea for oh a couple of years. Yeah. Teaching English. And then I lived in Ecuador. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I like to go someplace where I can spend time with the, with the people and the culture. And I love going to markets you know, and seeing people, how they live and buying their produce and their fish and their meat. That's like one of my favorite things to do. Definitely. I would do that over going to like a museum, depending on the museum or another church or like I, 
I love the just kind of getting understanding the how people live mm-hmm. when I travel. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, as much as I love like the beach and stuff like that, like when people like do like all inclusive, I'm just like, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. (laughs) I want to go experience the actual country. Yes. I'm with you. Yeah. Definitely. All right. How can the audience find you? Probably the best way, because then you can get to my social and everything else is on my website, which is BridgetBelden.com. That's and good. I, that make it easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's probably the easiest way for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. It's been, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I've enjoyed it too. Yeah. Good. I feel like... Like, it's like, I, I feel like we said a lot in the conversation, but I also like what it like could talk a lot more about what we talked about. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. There's always yeah. more to say, right. Kind of yeah. opens up questions, which is a sign of a good conversation. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you. You too.